Welcome to the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations Interviews Podcast, a series of brief conversations with leading China experts on key issues in the Sino-American relationship. For more interviews, videos, and links to events, visit us at www.ncuscr.org. This is Steve Orleans, President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Laura Silver. It seems like every two years I I invite you to join us in one of these discussions. Uh, Laura is the Pew Research Center senior researcher and kind of does a lot of her the work that Pew does on polling with respect to China, polling the American people with respect to China. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pew came out with a new poll on China, Americans' attitudes towards China in the wake of the uh, Ukraine, the invasion by Russia of Ukraine. And it's got lots and lots of very interesting data, which can be found on pewresearch.org and is just a fascinating look at what Americans are thinking about China cut in many different ways. So Laura, give us a quick summary of the poll, then you and I will have a discussion about its results. And to some degree, I'll opine on what I think it means for US-China relations going forward. Great. Well, thanks for inviting me to share this research. I should note that this is something that we've been doing over time. We've been tracking American views of China since 2005. So much of what we are monitoring is how views towards China have shifted. And that's important because this year we see that 82% of Americans have an unfavorable view toward China, but that's among the most negative that we've measured. It's complicated a little bit by something a bit esoteric, which is a mode shift, meaning we used to interview Americans on the phone and now we interview them on our nationally representative American Trends Panel. But suffice it to say that negative views of China have gone up substantially since 2017, and they're among the most negative that we've ever measured. We see, as we typically do, that Republicans are slightly more negative towards China than our Democrats, but the difference is relatively small in the grand scheme of partisan differences in the United States. We also see that as negative views towards China have grown, so too has a sense that China is a major threat. We asked specifically whether China's power and influence is a threat to the United States, and 67% of Americans say it's a major threat up from 62% who said the same in 2020, which was already up over the previous couple of years. There's also been a corresponding sense that China is growing as an economic power. One of the questions we ask is about who is the leading economic power in the world, and there are four choices given, China, the United States, Japan, or the European Union, though people can volunteer a different response. But when it comes to those four options, we see that 43% of people now think that China is the leading economic power, up from 32% in 2020, with almost all of this change being driven by Republicans. Republicans, for their part, are much more likely today to say that China is the leading economic power than they were in 2020. And then, as you noted, we asked this particular survey in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And one of the things that we asked about was whether or not people see the China-Russia partnership as a serious problem for the United States or not as well as a series of other problems. We asked about seven in total, including tensions between mainland China and Taiwan, tensions between mainland China and Hong Kong. Um, But when it comes to which problems were seen as most serious, the one that really stood out for Americans, which 62% described as very serious, was the China-Russia partnership. Talk about the new methodology. Uh, I didn't fully understand. So you're now doing this in person or via Zoom? (laughs) 
We're now doing this online, but not in person or via Zoom. What we do is we recruit people actually through address-based sampling. So you get a mailer, um, something comes physically, just like it would have for the census. Um, you get a postcard essentially that says, we've selected you, we'd like your opinions. Um, would you join our nationally representative panel? And if they consent to join, then we have around 15,000 people right now who are um, sent our surveys usually around once a month, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less, and they're given incentives to participate. And so then we can track these people over time. It's a nationally representative sample because you can't opt in to being part of it. I can't just say, I'd like to be part of Pew's research the way you could with something like SurveyMonkey. Um, instead, what you can do is take, a, take the survey if it's sent to you. Um, and so we have this nationally representative sample of people who we poll. Are, are, are the respondents more politically active? So that's something that we tend to balance for. We have a little bit of extra information on our website about this. They tend to be quote unquote more civically engaged, um, but we can account for this using what we call post-stratification weighting. Um, essentially we can make the general sample that we have look more like the American public overall. So the results show that you know 62% say the relationship between China and Russia pose a very serious problem. 47% um, China's involvement in politics in the United States, 43%, so less China as a military power, 42% China policies on human rights, economic com competition with China, 35, all the way down to Hong Kong where it's 26%. So a few questions on that. One, March 21st, was the day the poll, you started the polling, you went out to, to um, respondents. March 21st was the day that Tony Blinken said, China's considering selling military weapons, drones, strategic to air missiles, SAMs, K rations to the Russians. Do you think that may have skewed the poll? I think I would take issue with the word skew. Um, I think that it may certainly have influenced people who were aware of it, um, but that is something that we're trying to understand. At that point, when people would have taken the survey, that could have been salient for them, and that might be what they're thinking about when they think about the partnership. When, If we were to ask the same question again, and it were no longer salient because different, different things had transpired, that weapons weren't sold, um, it's not in the news, certainly the sense that this is a very serious threat could go down or a very serious problem could go down. But when it is in the news and it's something that people are thinking about, then we would expect to see it rise as a serious problem. In some ways, it's more of a validity check on our polling. That said, I have a feeling very few Americans were actually aware of that news. Um, I think more broadly, people think about the historic partnership between China and Russia or are aware more generally that China has refused to condemn the war in Ukraine and hasn't taken a particularly active stance essentially condemning it or offering sanctions or anything of the like. Um, the odds of a given American knowing that um, weapon sales were, were discussed on the 21st, I think is relatively low. Because my guess had been maybe because it was so much on the top of my mind at that, at that point in time, then subsequently the US government said China has decided not to sell military equipment to uh, to Russia that I would have, you know, in terms of my own, obviously I'm not a typical respondent. It was that high. And then subsequent to that, it, it dropped down. Do, um, you, 
For you personally, though, do you think that the partnership between China and Russia, even without weapons sales, it, um, is no longer a, a serious problem for the United States in the wake of the crisis in Ukraine? Serious problem. Uh, you know, I always, you know, almost everything in the relationship is a serious <laughs> problem. Is the 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 Chinese-Russian partnership a serious problem? Well, it's one of many, many serious problems. Um, and in fact, is a reflection of the fact that we can't talk about anything, we can't cooperate on anything. China makes bad decisions, the United States makes bad decisions, and we enter into what I call a, a downward cycle, a vicious cycle, as opposed yeah. to a virtuous cycle. Um, the American public actually agrees with you, and every one of the seven questions we asked about, a majority of more than seven and 10 said it was at least somewhat serious. Um, that's part of why we focus on the very serious element of it, because yeah. it, it indicates a bit of the depth of severity. When you asked about involvement in U.S. politics, uh, that, that's a, it's, it's an issue I often focus on because it has been the subject of a lot of media and government misinformation. What were you getting at? The elections of 2016, 2020, or kind of Chinese uh, interference in academic freedom or all of the above? It's left relatively vague because of the all of the above factor, but exactly the, the pressures that sometimes manifest in terms of academic freedom, people's um, worries about being able to actively condemn China or the pressures even on businesses domestically. Um, we did not specify because I think it means different things to different people. But I also do believe that there is a perception among some Americans that China did interfere um, in our politics, whether it comes to donations or just having a kind of a, a heavy-handed presence domestically. That said, it was not seen as the as a very serious problem relative to the partnership between China and Russia on this particular survey. Though so it was the second most important kind of serious problem in the poll, yes. it was at 47%. What's so interesting to me on that is, is the interference in elections. I would love, I, I guess you can't poll kind of people's, well, you could, perception of facts. So at the end of the Trump administration, the director of national intelligence said China interfered along with Russia in the, oh, he said China interfered, he didn't even say Russia did, in the elections. And then it turned out that was false. So it turned out that that was misinformation put out by our own government and that the new director of national intelligence said, well, they thought about it and they decided not to do it. So I wonder how many people kind of heard the initial news and never heard the second news and still believe that China interfered in the election. That would be a kind of a wonderful thing to poll because what we try to do is, is educate. So have the public, when they make decisions, make them on the correct facts. Definitely, that's something we could look into. And we are always interested in measuring international knowledge. And in fact, we have a report that will be coming out towards the end of this month that will speak to this a little bit, including one question about knowledge of China and one question about knowledge of the current US Secretary of State. And it's worth noting that international knowledge is relatively low for most Americans. Um, I think there is definitely a difficulty where people probably do not update their priors. They see kind of one piece of information and maybe never cycle back to that news story. So we'd have to catch them at the right time to necessarily see that in our data. 
but it is something we're interested in exploring. And we're always interested in particular in what knowledge of something like China or foreign affairs, um, what that knowledge brings to bear on attitudes. Because you might wonder, for example, do people who know more about China, presumably people watching this video, feel differently about China than others? Or is there kind of less of an education difference, um, which is actually what we see in our polling. Generally speaking, um, people who are more educated and less educated feel relatively similarly when it comes to at least favorability towards China. So they start to differ when it comes to things like perception of China as a threat or thinking um, that China is the leading economy. Well, that was gonna be my, my next question. Are there, is there additional data with respect to educational levels, income levels, and race? So there definitely is additional data about this. One of the things I think is interesting though, is that there are relatively few educational differences on a number of the, the key questions like favorability. Though when we do start to see educational differences, they tend to be on things like uh, opinion of whether or not we should be tough on China economically, or whether or not we should try and work cooperatively with them economically. Though some of these differences are largely due to partisanship. So we, we do see, for example, that Democrats and Republicans break fundamentally on that question, where Democrats are much more likely to say that we should work cooperatively with China economically, while Republicans are much more likely to say we should be tough on China. Was there, was there a further breakdown within Democrats and Republicans between more progressive Democrats and more conservative Republicans rather than more mainstream Republicans and more mainstream Democrats? Yeah, so we tend to see very large differences between what we would describe as conservative Republicans um, versus moderate and liberal Republicans or liberal Democrats versus conservative and moderate Democrats. Um, we tend to see that across almost all of the questions about China, for example, even favorability. We tend to see that more liberal Democrats and more conservative Republicans have more negative views. Um, they also tend to feel more strongly, for example, about Chinese human rights. Um, and some of this we explored last year when we looked a little bit into media sources. Um, one thing I think is pretty interesting to note is that Chinese human rights are one of the few issues um, that we ask about that has bipartisan agreement. Um, Republicans and Democrats tend to be about as likely to say that Chinese human rights are a, are a serious problem. Um, when we look a little bit more deeply though, we tend to see that people who get their media um, or get their news largely from either very left-leaning outlets or right-leaning outlets. I should clarify that it's outlets that have left-leaning audiences or right-leaning audiences. We're not categorizing them, but speaking to who's watching them. We tend to see that those groups in particular are most concerned about Chinese human rights. Did you have a sufficient sampling of Asians in the United States to see if there is a difference between Asians and non-Asians in the polling data? We can't break it down particularly far. So we can look generally at Asian Americans, but we can't look within Asian Americans at different subgroups. But yes, we tend to see that Asian Americans are more favorable towards China than white Americans, for example. And what about African Americans? Yeah, so we find Asian Americans are more favorable towards China than white Americans, but we also find the same about Hispanic Americans and black Americans. Around three in 10 of each of the non-white groups I just mentioned have favorable views of China compared to 9% of white Americans. And income levels? 
Income levels, we don't tend to analyze as concretely as we do education levels because they tend to be highly correlated. Um, but generally speaking, we do see that there are some differences by income. Um, I can pull up the exact data. And are professions polled also or no? Unfortunately, we do not tend to analyze it by professions. Um, we have kind of rough cuts of whether or not people are employed or not. Um, but I can't look, for example, at farmers in the Midwest with the size of sample that we have here, which tends to be one of the questions that people ask. So yeah, actually, when it comes to income, when we look at um, the percent who are favorable, those with higher, um, higher incomes are less likely to have a favorable opinion of China than people with lower incomes. That's so interesting. The um, what surprised me most about the poll it was consisting was the views, the, the drop in the percentage of people who viewed China as an enemy, as opposed to a competitor. It was like a, I think if I remember a 20 point drop of people who, who thought of China as a competitor rather than an enemy and Russia's numbers soared for obvious reasons. Um, is, is, first, is my recollection correct? Second is what's going on here? And is that across the board? Yeah, so it's a it's a 10 point drop, but you did remember that the Russian numbers were quite substantial. So in January of 2022, 35% of people described China as an enemy and 41% described Russia as an enemy. In March of 2022, 25% described China as an enemy and 70% described Russia as an enemy. So our Russia lines went like this. Um, our China lines, we just saw a slight drop in the percent who, who said enemy. Um, but what's an, going an on increase, a, a cor a, the correlation was to competitor. Correct. So the, the question asks about competitor, partner, and enemy. Almost no one describes China as a partner. That was true in January, still true in March. Um, so really, when we saw the shift, it was people saying China is a competitor rather than an enemy, 62% describing China as a competitor. I think what's going on here is that what it means to be an enemy of the United States shifted um, pretty substantially when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, that term could have meant a number of things to different people prior to this invasion, but I think it more clearly means active war as a possibility um, or deep threat, potentially even nuclear threat. Um, and that is not necessarily something that lots of people are sensing from China, whereas it is something that they're sensing from Russia. So I think it's the fact that we asked about Russia in particular that changed how people people view the, the China-US relationship. It's not to say people see China as a partner though, because fewer than one in 10 said that. Right, yeah, virtually, virtually nobody. Um, human rights dropped as an issue of concern. Is that because they believe the US government is now carrying that ball or what? what do you think is going on here? That is a great question. I can't say causally, but I, I would not expect that to be the reason. Um, if I had to guess, I think it's salience. I think that human rights were much more of a topic um, when we were um, in the lead up to the Olympics. Um, they were much more salient when we were talking, for example, with front page stories about Xinjiang in the New York Times. And I don't believe that they've been as much of a, a topic in the newspapers um, or on television recently, particularly with Russia and Ukraine as they were before. What surprised you most in the poll? One of the things I thought was most interesting is what you just pointed out, that there has been a decreasing sense that China is an enemy, even while there's this increasing sense that China is the world's leading economy, 
um, and that China's power and influence is a threat to the United States. Um, I do think the context of Russia is important to keep in mind. We don't think about China in a vacuum. Um, and that's something that I think comes through in these results. Talk about the, the, inter the age differences, the, the different responses of, of over 65 Americans and young Americans was quite significant. Can you talk about that data and what do you think is going on there? Yeah, so one thing we've seen through most of our years of polling tends to be that older people are more negative towards China than younger people. Um, that's actually the case in many of the countries that we survey, if not most. Um, one hypothesis drawn from some of the academic literature is that people who are older remember a red China. They remember Tiananmen and they have more of a sense of kind of the historic relationship between the US and China whereas younger people have largely come of age in a time where China was in the WTO, um, China was, depending on your perspective, maybe uh, liberalizing at various points in time, though obviously that is not necessarily the case as much anymore. Um, but generally speaking, we do tend to see that older people retain more negative views. And some of the biggest differences that we saw in the survey had to do with views of China as a military power, as well as um, concern about the China-Russia partnership and concern about the um, tensions between mainland China and Taiwan, all of which do speak a little bit to a longer historic memory. Now, are you going to poll in the subsequent poll that, you know, the, you polled people's view of China as the leading economy, China as the leading military power, and they kind of stand to some degree in stark contrast. I think it was 19% think China is the leading military power, whereas I think a majority or almost a majority think it's the leading economic power. Of course, in both cases, it's not. Um, so are you going to poll that? kind of subsequently to, as a factual matter um, is first question. And second is, what do you think is going on with people uh, thinking China is the leading economy? Um, you're right that it's close to a majority. It's 43% of people think that China is the leading economy, the same number as say the United States. And I think that's what's striking. To some degree, although there's a factual answer to this question, the way people answer it feels more like an attitudinal question because people who think that they're, that the US economy is in bad shape are much more likely to describe China as the leading economic power. It's also part of the reason that we see most of the movement in the last two years being among Republicans. When Republicans thought that the economy was in good shape under President Trump, they thought the US was the leading economy. Now that they think the economy is in poor shape under President Biden, separate even from the inflation issues, we, we saw a partisan switch basically um, as President Biden took office. So now that Republicans are down on the economy, they also think that China's economy is leading. Um, it's interesting to think about it as a factual question though. And when I alluded to our report about international knowledge at the, that's coming out at the end of the month, um, we're in May for those watching later, um, but towards the end of this month, we do see that people who are higher knowledge are more likely to say the United States, which as you mentioned, is the kind of widely accepted factual answer. So there, there is some kind of ground truth to this and people with higher international knowledge get the answer correct, but definitely this question is tapping up a, a broader discontent with America's economy. The poll reflects very little confidence in the president of China. Uh, in fact, though it's, I think it's 83% don't either have no confidence or little confidence. 
um, similar to the 82% that fear the Russia-China partnership. Do those two numbers correlate? It's the, is it the same people who see Russia-China relationship as the most dangerous part of the relationship that have no confidence in the Chinese leadership? They're definitely correlated, though um, it's worth noting that confidence in President Xi has been relatively low for multiple years and actually has not shifted much since the last poll. Um, generally speaking, people who have limited confidence in him tend to see China as a threat. Um, they tend to have negative views of the country overall, and they tend to think almost everything is a more serious issue for the bilateral relationship. What do you wish you had polled that you didn't? I would like to dig more into what people are thinking about when they think about some of these problems. Um, we don't know, for example, what part of the China-Russia partnership is uh, of concern. And as you mentioned, what was going on with arms sales may not necessarily come to bear. And at the, given that, maybe we'd like to ask it in a slightly different way. Um, I'm always just generally interested in what people are thinking about when they think about China. Um, we did an open-ended question to that effect last year, and the results were fascinating. Um, I'm always keen to redo things like that and see how that might have shifted, particularly with this idea of media salience, that what's in the news is definitely affecting how people think about foreign countries and China in particular. Yeah, no question. And, and so you will have this knowledge poll that will come out at the end of May. And we hope you do another China poll in the not too distant future. I always joke, I thank the Pew found the Pew Research for doing this profusely, because if you didn't do it, I would probably have to commission it and do it. But it's the, the data in here is extremely valuable. We've only begun to touch on it in this half hour conversation, but I know our audience only has tolerance for a half hour, but then go to pewresearch.org and you can get the full poll. And it is for those interested in kind of uh, what our policies should be, because ultimately you read this poll, you have a sense of what the American people understand and believe, and you're gonna be crafting policies uh, in response to that. It's, it's absolutely critical reading. Our job at the committee is much more, if it is based upon incorrect assumptions, incorrect education, our hope is we can educate whether it would make people more negative or more positive. We don't take- Or have position. no bearing. <laughs> I'm sorry? Or have no bearing as, right. as the case might be. <laughs> yes, but it's, thank you so much. Thank Pew Research for doing this. We so much appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you for having me. And please do reach out if you have questions about anything I talked about today. We're always happy to answer questions, uh, to hear perspectives on what we're researching, and to get ideas for future surveys. And you're funded by the Pew Foundation. Um, the Pew Charitable Trust, yes. Pew Charitable Trust, yes. For more interviews, videos, and links to events like this one, visit us at www.ncuscr.org.